Good morning, church. My name is Megan, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today. We have just a couple of announcements to share with you so that you know what's coming up here at ABC. Uh, we are having a ministry fair here on campus this weekend following our services on campus. And this is just a fantastic way for you to discover how you can be involved, ways that you can plug in and serve. Um, ways that you can get connected with the body here at ABC and really just help come alongside the church in this ministry to share the love of Jesus. If that's diving into a Bible study, um, if that's finding somewhere to serve in one of our ministries, we want to help you discover those opportunities. So if you're not able to make it to campus for that, we encourage you to call the office and just reach out and ask um, some questions. Ask how you can be involved and uh, how you can just be more connected here at ABC. So that's going on this weekend after the services. Um, another announcement is coming up on September 5th, we are moving all of our services back indoors. So our 9 and 10.45 a.m. services will be in the worship center. And then we also have our 8 a.m. service that's coming back, and that's going to be in the student center. So we hope you're looking forward to that as well with us. Um, so just a reminder, September 5th, everything's going back inside. Uh, coming up in September, we've got some things starting in women's ministry that I want to let you know of. We have Bible studies starting throughout the month of September, so stay tuned for that. But our Tuesday studies, Wednesday and Thursday, all have studies starting. Head over to the website, abcchurch.org women, and you can find registration links for the Tuesday Bible study specifically. We're going to be jumping into the New Testament books of First and Second Peter and Jude. And so I hope that you um, find a place. If you are a woman and you are looking to study and grow deeper, come join us. We would love to have you. Um, our mom to mom ministry is back. We take the summer off, but starting September 2nd, we would love for all of you mamas to join us. So this is for moms with kids birth um, through high school, really. So we would love for you to come get connected the first Thursday of every month, starting on the second. Um, and we have morning and evening programs available this year. So there is a place for you to fit into your schedule. Again, you can find the registration for that on our website, and we would love for you to join us. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. We hope you have a great weekend. Well, good morning and welcome to ABC. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are still in a series through Philippians for three more weeks today and two more Sundays. Um, and man, as Jake said last week, this has been such a fantastic study for us. There's so much practical wisdom just hidden right here in this letter. Um, but today is something that you may recognize, a verse that's maybe one of the most popular verses um, in the New Testament. It is Philippians 4.13, and it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You've probably seen it embroidered on a pillow on your grandmother's couch. Uh, maybe someone you know has a tattoo. Definitely uh, has been printed on the back of a t-shirt for a Christian workout uh, company. I'm sure you've seen this verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But I ask myself, as I ask you this morning, can you? Can you really? Like, what can you do? You can do all things. Well, what does that look like? What can you do through him who gives you strength? Can you do simple, menial tasks like... Uh, enduring another day at a job that 
Maybe you feel underappreciated or underutilized. One more day at work, can you do that? Can you, young moms, spend the entire day successfully today with all of your children at home? Can you make it through the conversation that you need to have with a close friend that you're dreading? Can you do that? Can you endure yet another financial obstacle that feels impossible? Can you walk through a celebration of a friend receiving something that you felt you deserve? Can you do all things through Christ who gives you strength? Last weekend, uh, I was asking myself this question. My wife, Cheryl, uh, left for the weekend with my daughter, Aubrey, to celebrate her 13th birthday. And uh, they had a fantastic weekend, by the way. But I was home with our two toddler boys and, and our son, Caden, who's 10. And I did all the classic dad things wrong, like the dad mistakes. Um, when your wife is gone for the weekend. Uh, we skipped nap time on Friday. Um, we had pizza for dinner, followed by ice cream. We stayed up way too late, uh, watched a movie that was a little bit too old for the audience, and ended up <laughs> spending most of the night awake with one of the three at any given time of my kids upset about something, most often stomach aches and other things, go figure. At 2.30 in the morning, I was like, we all need to go to sleep, you know, and I'm so tired. And I woke up at 6 a.m., uh, like about four hours later, and I got a text message from my neighbor who had had a tree fall on his uh, back patio at his house next door and wanted help. And so I go get uh, the twins up in the morning and uh, get them both out of bed and realize they both had peed through um, their diapers at night and their bed and their um, sheets are soaked. And so I take the sheets and I put them in the washing machine. I go down and make a, a breakfast that I think will, they'll be able to feed themselves without me hand feeding every bite to them. And I stick them on the couch. I turn the TV on, put the breakfast on the couch. Don't judge me. And I ran out the door, grabbed my saw and went to my neighbor's house. And this was all before eight o'clock. And I kid you not, it went downhill from there. And I'm telling myself on Saturday, this past Saturday, I can do all things or can I? And I stop in those moments and I ask, God, can I really do any more? Can I really handle any more? Can I continue? And I realize as I'm thinking through this story that so often our, our lives are less about what we can do and more about what we can endure. It's so often working through circumstances, so often trying to process life events and trying to deal with all of the things that come our way throughout the day. So often we're learning how to endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I think as I read this verse in, in the complete thought, the context of Paul's intention of what he was getting at in this section of scripture, I think he was ultimately saying the same thing. Look at this verse with me in Philippians chapter 4, starting back at verse 10. I want to read this and just listen to how he's processing, what his thought process is as he comes to this um, sort of profound verse in Scripture in 4.13. 4, 4.10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any 
and in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul writes in the context of the circumstances he's endured in his life, the things he's experienced, the times when he had plenty, the times when he had little, the hard days, the good days, the celebrations and the griefing moments. I can do all things, he's saying. I can endure all things. I can be content in all things. I can approach all things. I can thrive in all things through Christ who strengthens me. This, this discussion that Paul is having with us, with the church in Philippi, the thing that he's discussing in these verses is so far less about doing superhuman things, supernatural things, superhero-like things. When we say, I can do all things, I can do anything. No, he's saying, I can endure all things. The most monumental and the simplest moments in my life, I can process through Christ who gives me strength. And there's a clear prescription as we walk through this passage, there's a clear directive from Paul that if you are to do all things, there's one way you'll be successful in that, and that is by being content. You can do all things through Christ if you are content. Let me say that again. You can do all things. I can do all things through Christ if I am content. And this really ends up being a a sort of a platform for contentment to grow. I think what's stirring in these verses as I read his, his language and his descriptions of the circumstances his life has endured and, and how he's approaching them and how he's receiving uh, what he's in need of or in want of or what they're trying to do to help him, to serve him. What he's really talking about is fostering contentment that Paul would teach the church in Philippi and the church at Atascadero Bible Church how to trust Christ in everything and anything by being content. And so together, I want to walk through these verses and ask the question, how do we grow our contentment? How do we continue to foster contentment in our heart? How do we allow for Christ to do all things through us as our contentment grows? And the first thing that jumps out to me is generosity. You might not see it right away. As you read through this verse, there's not a lot of giving uh, happening, but if you again take the whole uh, passage, the whole piece of complete thought together, you understand what what Paul's talking about is not just giving but receiving. And so, firstly, in verse ten, he says, "I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me." And then jumping ahead all the way down to fifteen, he says, "You Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving." and in receiving. There's this generous theme spread throughout this passage that Paul is learning how the Philippians, or instructing the Philippians in some regard to how to receive. He's learning how to receive, learning how to give, and allowing for them to learn how to give. It's a give and receive, push-pull, give-take kind of relationship that I think helps to create a context for contentment, and particularly Paul's contentment in this case. His contentment grows with a willingness to receive, in this case, a a reception from the Philippians, allowing them to give. And And when I think about generosity as a principle, I so often jump to giving. And I don't know if if your mind goes there when I say the word generosity, that you could grow contentment by being generous. Well, 
that's true, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I think there's, there's almost as much benefit to learning how to receive. I know some of these, do you know these people that are just such graceful receivers? They're not awkward or say offensive or funny things when they're receiving a gift. They just know how to gracefully receive as if they're understanding that it's part of God's plan and provision for them. That's the kind of person I want to be, but it comes out of this contentment, knowing and believing, recognizing that God's providence often comes through his people, receiving well. I I think we'd all love an anonymous check in the mail where we didn't know who sent it or what the cost was, the sacrifice was behind it, where we didn't have to respond. We didn't have to write a thank you note. We didn't have to see that individual and try to understand how to react. But that's not often how God works. I think he wants us to see at times someone else sacrificing for your good so that he can say to you, be content with where you're at and be content to receive knowing that I will work and provide for you through my people. So hard. The pride in us is so, so weary to try to receive well. It's challenging. It's a far rather give. And then, you know, add on top of that when a well-intentioned gift isn't maybe how you'd receive it. You know, like if someone decides to bring you coffee on the way to, to work, but it's not how you drink your coffee. <laughs> you know, it's like those kind of things. Just thanks, but no thanks. I mean, how do you respond to that? But learning how to receive well, graciously, understanding God uses his people. On the flip side, obviously, God loves a cheerful giver that is in scripture. In fact, Paul himself writes that in 1 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he is decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God knows, as Paul knows, that when you give, when you sacrifice, it grows contentment in your heart. And that's why he's instructing the Philippians in this way, saying, I'm I'm glad that you care for me. I'm glad that you revived your concern for me. Because I know when you're trying to give, when you're trying to serve others, sacrifice for others, your contentment grows. Isn't it true that uh, when you give to someone else or even sacrifice for someone else, it makes you more happy and pleased with the things that you have? Like uh, if you decide to help someone fix their car, you know, or maybe you, you take their car to the shop for them and you want to help with the bill. And so you pay for the bill and you drive their car and, um, you get it fixed for them and you feel really good. Like you were able to help somebody, but then you get in your car and you realize I'm so thankful for this car, right? Like sometimes just experiencing someone else's lens and giving toward their, their lens helps us to be grateful and content with the things that we have and allowing for us to rest in what God has provided. Contentment grows in generosity. Contentment, I think, thrives in generosity, receiving and in giving. I can do all things in Christ if I'm content. Let's look at verse 11. Now, or not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. If you've got a pen or pencil and you've got your Bible in front of you, or if you have your Bible app in front of you, grab that little highlighter tool and I would encourage you, you don't have to, don't blame me for marking up your Bible, but 
I would encourage you to look at that word in verse 11 that says learned. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This is so important because I think we look at sometimes the writers of scripture or we look at the people in the early church or we even look at pastors or people in our church that are ahead of us in their walk and we think certainly they just received this spiritual gift blessing of contentment or maturity or resolve or wisdom or whatever those things are and we look at that and go, I wish I could just receive that. I wish I could own that same principle or character the way that they do. And yet Paul says so clearly, I have learned, which means it took him a while, which means he wasn't always, which means he had to process through discipline. And that's the second principle on your outline there. Discipline teaches us how to be content and we have to learn it. You don't just inherit it. It doesn't just come as a, just a natural bestowing when you become a Christian. Boom, now you're going to be content. It doesn't happen. you got to wrestle. You have to muddle. You have to process. You have to practice contentment in order to grow. It's really challenging, but disciplined contentment is a practice in going without and a practice in receiving well. As we talked about receiving and generosity, it's a practice um, that you need to do 100 times a day that I have to do a hundred times a day. It's the process of disciplining contentment, I think, in decisions where you decide not to buy or decisions to go without when you have a choice or decisions not to complain when you're lacking or a decision to take inventory on blessing when you're wanting, that you would decide day after day, hour after hour, to say, I want to choose contentment. I want to choose discipline. I want to learn discipline the way Paul learned discipline by being in every situation and considering what my options are and saying, no, I'm going to choose not to take, not to buy, not to eat, not to speak, whatever those things might be, but allowing for God to use and grow in you a practice. So hard for us because it's not the way that the world does things. The world says, buy it, eat it, try it. You need more options, more variety. I would encourage you this way. This, this might be, you, you'll probably get upset with me for this and that's okay. I'm kind of upset with myself because I'm going to have to practice it. The next time you think to yourself, eh, I don't really want it or need it, but I'm going to try it because I could return it. How often have you done that? All the time, right? Costco, Amazon, uh, going down the list. All these things you could just, it's so easy to return. I don't really need that. I'm not sure I'm, I'm too into it. I don't even know if it'll look good on me. I don't know if it'll fit. I don't know. Whatever. Fill in the blank. That's okay. I'm going to buy it because I can try it and then I can just return it. That is not an exercise that will grow and build contentment in you. Contentment says, I don't need it. I probably won't like it. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to withhold. That's an exercise that will grow contentment. And the challenge, I think, with our culture is that it's not only been made so easy, but it's also been celebrated. So much so that if, if I was the, um, the world or the culture voice speaking to you right now, I'd say, absolutely go ahead and try it. And then write to the world and tell them why you didn't like it. 
right? Make sure you fill out a Yelp review. Make sure you leave a Google review because everybody else in the world needs to know why you didn't like it. So now we're not only embracing this idea that you've got to have more, that you need more options, that you need to try it, that you need to continue to receive, that you need to own it, that you've got to have what you don't have. But now the things that you don't want or didn't want or don't like or weren't satisfied with, make sure you tell the whole entire world why you weren't satisfied with it. And we'll celebrate that. And we'll give you a coupon on the way out that you can spend on your next purchase that you didn't really need. Sound familiar? I know, it's lame for me to bring this up because now you're just sitting there going, ah, shoot, Amazon cart, gotta clear that out. You know, I'm there with you guys. I just don't think it builds contentment. I think a discipline of contentment, as Paul's saying, is learning to go without, learning to have plenty, learning to have moments where you just wish that you had a little more or you wish you had more options and saying, it's okay. It's okay. I can do all things through Christ if I am content. And in our, our disciplining process of content, we have to learn to go without when we've already had. That's the challenge. Look at what Paul says here in verse um, 12 and 13. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty, he says, and hunger. He follows plenty with hunger, and then he proceeds need with abundance. So he's saying, first I had abundance, then I had need. First I had plenty, then I had hunger. How much harder is it for us to be content when we've already experienced the blessing, right? How much harder is it for me to be content with the guitar that I have uh, if, if I've already played a, a way nicer guitar, right? It's just like what they tell you, you know, when you, um, when you buy a car, you're not supposed to go to the, the car lot for like a year because like inevitably there's like the next day there's one that had a better feature or better color or better whatever because we we're more content when we don't know what we're missing. And yet Paul's saying, I know what I'm missing. I've had plenty. And yet I've learned how to go without. I've, I've been in seasons of abundance and yet I've learned how to be in need. That's the harder path. That's the harder road. And that's where discipline comes in. When you've had, when you've experienced, when you've tasted, when you've seen, when you've ridden your friend's mountain bike that's way faster than yours. You have to sit in that reality that you don't have something as nice as someone else and say, that's okay. I'm going to be happy with what I have. And I think that grows in us a heart of contentment. It's a practice of discipline. And then finally, we see this concept of trust. In verse 19, uh, well, let me, let me go back for a second. So we finished this passage with verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Learning how to endure or live when I'm lacking, Paul's saying, trusting that God will provide my every need. And then he finishes this whole thought. We're going to look at this verse next week, verse 19. But he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ. And so he caps this whole thought off of this letter. In fact, he's landing the plane on the entire letter to Philippians. He's saying, God will provide your every need. So not only can you learn to be content, by, by generosity. Not only can you learn to be content through discipline, but now you're learning to be content by remembering that God will provide. That's trusting God's provision for every single need you have. And he says right here in 19, so clearly to them, my God will supply. It's this trust aspect of saying, God, you will provide. I don't need to worry or fret. 
I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify this. I know saying you could build contentment by trust is as simple and overly simplified as it could possibly be. Well, just trust. You want to be contentment, content? Just trust. Just trust. God will provide. God will take care of you. Who wants to hear that when they're in need? Oh, I'm sorry you don't have enough. God will provide. That's what he's saying, though. Not only is he saying that God will provide, he's saying God will provide according to his, his riches. And that's what we're going to talk next week of God just showering blessing on his kids when they trust him. God will provide. The more I practice generous giving, the more I'm disciplined in going without. The more I practice gracious receiving, the greater my trust becomes in our faithful father, God to provide. I can do all things. All things. Through him who gives me strength. If I'm content. I've I've read this passage hundreds of times probably in the, the course of my life and it reads so easy. It's why it's so great to print on bumper stickers and um and, and for us as a church to, as Christians, sort of to hang our hat on, I can do all things. When you face hard things that we want to quote this to each other, quote this to ourselves, I can do all things. When you're faced with like a physical challenge and you're trying to make it that extra mile, whatever it is, I can do all things. We want to say this. It rolls off our tongue well. It's inspiring and it's encouraging. And yet I think the hard work happens in the enduring. I think the challenging soil to till is the enduring, is the processing, the grinding of our daily circumstances. And I want to say so clearly as I asked this question when we started our time together, can you really do all things? I want to say yes, you can. Yes, you can. Can you do all things? Can you endure one more day? Can you endure one more hour? Can you process through one more hard conversation? Can you live it through this season any longer than you already have? Yes, you can. And Paul's saying, I've learned the hard way. It's been challenging. It's been painful. It's been confusing at times, but I have learned that God will teach me, he will provide. God will show me, he will provide. He'll use his people to provide. He'll use the grace of the body of Christ to provide. God will show me his riches in due time, but not until I've learned and processed and dug and and tried to till this soil up of contentment and allowed God to work in it. Yes, you can. You can do all things in Christ. You can do all things through him who strengthens you because you have a limited strength. You have a limited supply of energy. You have a limited lens and a limited perspective on your life. And God's view of you and God's view of your circumstances is unlimited. He sees far beyond what you could ask or imagine. He gives far beyond what you could ask for or imagine. And God is saying, yes, you can, but not in your own strength. Yes, you can, but not in your own context. Yes, you can, but not with your limited understanding of what you're dealing with in this life. Yes, you can in Christ and in Christ alone. That's why Jesus says in in John 15, literally, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not even breathe. Can you have that hard conversation apart from Christ? No. Can you figure out the finances? No, not apart from Christ. Can you walk through this 
tragic circumstance in your life? Absolutely not. Can you stay home with your toddlers for 72 hours straight without your wife? No, not without Christ. And Paul says, I'm learning this. I'm, I'm seeing the fruit of going without. I'm experiencing the blessings of learning how to receive well. And I'm learning to trust, and I want you to learn to trust too, because you can, as I can. Paul says, I can. I can do all things. And so together, church, I want us to say, as a church, a Tascadero Bible church who's struggling and muddling at times to trust and believe in God's faithfulness, say with me, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, especially when I'm content, especially when God grows and builds in me contentment. I could do all things. Apart from Christ, no. With Christ, yeah. And that's the invitation. It's, it's trusting that God himself will provide for every need. It's trusting that God himself will give you patience when you lack. It's trusting that God will give you grace when you want justice. It's trusting that God will show you a way when there seems to be no way. Allowing these moments to hurt a little. Allowing his children to endure a little is part of the plan for growing contentment and building faith. And so if I could just encourage you, endure it and say, yes, you can. You can. Through him who gives you strength. Let me pray for you. Father, it's so hard. It's so painful sometimes to endure another obstacle, another circumstance, another relationship, another friendship gone bad, another job situation, another health issue. Sometimes it's, it's just a, another boring day without direction or answers. It's so hard, and I just want to admit that this morning. God, it's hard for us. And I, I just thank you so much for Paul's clarity that he's learned, that he's been disciplined in contentment. And it's allowed for him to say this so clearly that he can do all things through him who gives me strength and I want to be able to say it this morning and I pray for all those that are within the sound of my voice right now and are hearing this truth from Philippians chapter 4 that they would be able to respond and say out loud I can yes I can I can do all things apart from Christ no I won't and I can't I will do all things through Christ because I can do all things through Christ it's what we want to be able to say, and, and yet we stumble and, and we wander. So God, correct our, our thinking on this and allow for us to embrace some of the obstacles, allow for us to embrace some of the circumstances, to endure some of the, the shaping moments of our lives and build in us contentment. Lord, would you teach us how to be gracious receivers, gracious givers. Teach us how to be disciplined in growing and building and fostering contentment and then teach us how to trust more, God.
thank you so much, Lord, for being patient with your children, being patient with us while we learn this. Continue to grow us. In your precious name I pray. Amen.